everybody to another great episode of the Beyond Normal podcast. We have a guest today. He changed things up in the tech hiring space. He's got a company by the name of Boot Up. He's a founder that goes by the name of Chandler Malone. I'm excited to have him on. He is a founder uh, doing some great things in, in two great cities, the city of Tulsa and the city of Miami. So without further ado, I want to bring uh, Chandler to the stage so we can start uh, this great dialogue we're about to have. Thanks for coming on the platform, uh, Chandler, and sharing your story with us, uh, with our viewers. I'm excited to hop right into things with you. Uh, so without further ado, uh, let folks know a little bit about your story uh, prior to you uh, founding Boot Up. Like, tell us a little bit about Chandler and, and what made him take that take that next step to being a founder in this, in this day and age. Yeah, definitely. So I'll say, you know, early in my life, basketball was kind of like the center of my life. Like I went to school, um, basically I, I picked my school because I wanted to go somewhere where I could go play ball, you know, and, and feel like I had a meaningful role. Um, and I think, you know, like that really speaks to, you know, a lot of just like the competitive drive, you know, in nature and, you know, the love of team building, um, you know, that I have as a person. But I, I pretty quickly understood that I was not going to be playing professionally. And so start thinking just about other options. So my sophomore year in college had an opportunity to take a class about the societal impacts of technology while also starting my first uh, business and events business where, you know, we brought Billboard top 10 artists to St. Louis for shows. And so having that successful first entrepreneurial experience, but also that exposure to the impact and scalability of tech so early uh, in career basically made me decide, look, I've got to be a technology entrepreneur if I just want to be who Chandler can be, you know, in this world. And, you know, with that being said, though, I definitely knew that I didn't have the technical skills. I wasn't a business major or anything like that. I needed to get in rooms to be able to learn a little bit more and build credibility for myself, you know, as well. And so that's when I started, you know, just my venture capital journey. And so, you know, interned for free for 20 hours a week, you know, at, at, at a venture firm to start and, you know, eventually started working, you know, in venture firms full time. Um, and, you know, even in, you know, building this company, right, the last firm that I was at, Atento Capital in Tulsa, Oklahoma, um, all of our portfolio companies were reaching out to me um, being like, look, we can't find anyone to hire. Like, can you help us? That forced me to start doing research just on the greater talent market um, and helped me to understand that there's a two to five million person talent gap in tech today that's projected to grow to 85 million people by 2030. There are not 85 million working Americans between 25 and 40. You know, and so when I saw a problem that big, right, it's like, OK, this is something worth digging my teeth into what's the largest pipeline of folks into tech, right? Tech is considered a white collar job, you know, in today's society, right? And so the largest pipeline in all white collar jobs is college, right? University system is in massive decline though. Um, you know, you've got uh, a university enrollment has been declining every year for the past 12 years, 3 million fewer people in college than a decade ago, right? And so you got this huge problem and our solution to the problem is literally shrinking. Um, and so for me, this is getting me more excited, right? Because then I'm like, okay, the the less clear of a solution there is, like the bigger opportunity that there is. Um, and so, you know, started doing research just on some of these non-traditional, you know, training programs, right? Boot camps, vocational training schools, uh, et cetera. And saw that graduates of those programs were growing 50% year over year, right? And so it's like the other educational opportunities, like people are engaging with those less these non-traditional ones are experiencing a boom. Meanwhile, these non-traditional uh, experiences have only been around 10, 12 years, right? And so as an individual, your comfortability, your knowledge, your understanding of them, you know, is lower. 
as an institution, you know, that is hiring an enterprise, right? Like your comfortability with these types of, you know, institutions is not as strong. And so for me, I realize if I can sit in the middle and I can understand the most about these new types of programs and help convey that information to candidates, but also help convey what's so compelling about candidates who have come out of these programs to companies and why companies should be engaging with these programs, I can sit in the middle and have the most information and create the most transparency, then I'll be able to build a, a really large business. I'm curious um, to know um, what drew you to uh, building in Tulsa. Tell us a little bit about the program you're in there and just uh, why Tulsa in general, general, what are you seeing there? Yeah, man. So um, I guess the first piece that I'll say is I feel like just as a black American, um, there is so much history in Tulsa as an entrepreneur, um, it goes even further, right? And so, you know, Tulsa is, is the home of, you know, as many know, uh, Greenwood, the Greenwood District, the original Black Wall Street. Um, and so a little over 100 years ago, 1921, um, that entire district in Tulsa, which had more Black millionaires than anywhere else, um, you know, in the country at that point in time, um, was burned to the ground uh, by, uh, by a white mob, you know? So, um, you know, looking back, right, last year was the 100 year anniversary of that. And, you know, for myself, I look at technology, you know, as basically the highest upside, uh, you know, form and version of entrepreneurship. Tulsa has not, you know, traditionally been known, you know, as a technology hub. Um, and so to be a black founder that is building a really high growth billion dollar, you know, opportunity um, in Tulsa, I feel like that is the strongest way to ever, you know, possibly be able to, you know, honor the legacy, um, you know, of the folks that built the original Greenwood district, the original Black Wall Street. Um, and to take just, you know, kind of one step back of how I ended up there. So I was born and raised, grew up in Dallas um, and went to a Black Tech Week uh, event. Uh, the organization was owned by Derek and Felicia Hatcher. I want to give them a, a huge congratulations for getting it acquired by um, Brian and Candace Breckeen and, and the Lightship Capital team. Um, that's huge to, to see black founders, you know, get acquisitions, but went to a black tech weekend event in Tulsa um, and, you know, just connected with a few individuals, met an individual named Michael Bosch, who was launching a fund called Atento Capital. Um, and I think for me, it gave me the best opportunity to be in a check writing, you know, decision making role to be getting, you know, as much exposure as possible earlier in my career than basically any other fund opportunity, you know, had, you know, presented me with. And so for me, you know, I took that, you know, opportunity and, and, and kind of ran with it. And, you know, obviously, you know, I spoke kind of as to what led to starting the company, even just the flexibility and autonomy that I had in that position and in that role, um, you know, in Tulsa, which I may not have been able to have, you know, at other funds, you know, elsewhere, um, you know, played a huge impact in even, you know, finding the inspiration, you know, for the company. Um, and so, you know, I, I think it's been great. Um, and the last thing that I'll say is specifically for black entrepreneurs, um, there are a number of funding sources uh, in Tulsa that can really kind of bring you that initial angel, you know, pre-seed type of money for you to get that proof of concept, you know, up and working and be able to raise, you know, a, a robust seed round, you know. Um, and so, you know, with that being said, right, it's like there's this historical component, um, you know, there's an incredible amount of opportunity and it's a smaller community. And so because it's a smaller community, while there are, you know, a lot of financial resources, um, it's a lot easier to get in contact with the individuals that you need to start developing relationships with to have access to that capital. Um, and so, you know, I think for an early, you know, stage black founder, 
I feel like Tulsa is, you know, a great place for you to be able to, you know, prove out what you're working on, you know, get it up off the ground, um, you know, and really start to, you know, build and grow and scale. Yeah, I, I love that, Chandler. Um, moving to, to uh, Tulsa, right, you would think uh, that's not like a destination for a lot of people, like you said, but the story, the heritage, there's cities like that all across America, outside of like that big, that top 10 or the, the places that you see people going on uh, IG, those places are good as well. But like you said, having that connectivity. Um, so folks, I can actually think back to college, right, where uh, some people want to have that big college experience, but they may they may need a smaller college experience where they get more of that one-to-one -one relationship with uh, the staff, with other students, or with their professors. And so, um, yeah, I really commend you on that. That is definitely a beyond normal concept, right, um, yeah. that, that we like to call it on the show, where you're not always chasing the glamorous areas to go to. You're really going for the opportunity that fits you best. Exactly. Um, so uh, that's really powerful stuff there. And now that you're in, now that you've gone there, um, you've been there in Tulsa for a while. I know you have some connections to other cities. I think Miami's the other one. Can you talk about um, your connections in some of these other locations and you're still able to tap into uh, some of those bigger pools, those bigger, uh, those the bigger lakes with the bigger fishes, right? Um, talk a little yeah. bit about Definitely. So, I mean, the cities where we've placed the most candidates into their first jobs are New York City, uh, Austin, Atlanta and Dallas. And so, you know, like those are all, you know, top 10 cities, you know, in terms of, you know, populations. But also those are all cities with very large tech workforces, you know, and I think, you know, New York is, is, is known for just being a big place where stuff's going on. I think Austin has a reputation, you know, for a growing tech hub. Um, but the thing that people and Atlanta also, you know, has that reputation, you know, for being a tech hub. But people don't realize about Atlanta and Dallas. You have so many Fortune 500, Fortune 1000, you know, enterprise companies there that are hiring for technology roles like crazy. People don't understand Home Depot hires hundreds of software engineers per year as their business transitions to be more e-commerce um, than, you know, just like in-person, in-store experience. And so, um, you know, when you start to think of all of your, you know, kind of favorite companies across any sector, their technology organization is growing. Um, and so, you know, I guess um, I've been spending a lot of time personally uh, in Miami um, because I think that there is a really big, but also really important opportunity in Miami. Um, you know, a lot of folks talk about the Bay Area and they're like, oh, the Bay Area is so bad, you know, for all these reasons. But, you know, one of the large reasons is just the large income disparity, right? It, the Bay Area is the epicenter of tech, you know, still, even if, you know, folks do feel that it's, it's shifting away, it still is the epicenter today. And so you've got the highest paid salaried workers in the world, all living in one place, not to mention the highest paid entrepreneurs literally in history, also in that same place. And so for your average person who's working in retail, who's working in service industry, and we need people working all of these jobs to have a functioning society, you know. Um, it's literally not sustainable to be able to like live in the region because prices have been driven up so much. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, Miami uh, in, in 2020 and in 2021 was the number one city in the world uh, for tech worker migration. Um, and so, you know, with that being said, you see a situation coming where, you know, rents are, you know, going up for people, you know, 700, you know, 1200, you know, dollars a month, you know, crazy, you know, obscene numbers that leads to situations like, what has you know been created in the bay area 
What I will commend the city of Miami on, though, is that local government has really made it a priority to ensure that local Miamians who have been born and raised and live there are getting access to the training, the resources, the infrastructure to be able to go get those tech jobs for themselves and not get priced out of the city that they grew up in. And so for us, I mean, we're connecting people with the training resources and then the jobs. And so, you know, we can actually help the city of Miami, um, you know, in some of its, you know, goals to make the city continue to be sustainable, you know, and, and livable, you know, for folks while also developing relationships with companies in a city where they're moving to, you know, faster than basically anywhere else. So, yeah, that's dope, man. Uh, I always tell people to consider um, the gas prices. Uh, you move to some of these bigger cities, you move out west, you got to be comfortable potentially paying seven, eight, nine, maybe ten dollars for gas. Uh, yeah, that is not uh, something I want to do. OK. Oh, and those West Coast cities are spread out, too. So you, not only do you have to pay a lot, you're going to be driving a lot anyway. Like, yeah. So yeah. I'll be like, yeah, let me go ahead and uh, stay in uh, North, sunny uh, North Carolina. Obviously, there's pros and cons. Yeah. Right. Um, to everything. You may not get as big of a city feel. Um, if you like to be out, out and about with people. Uh, but there's definitely benefits to moving to other places. Um, and that Miami is a particular one, like you said, where you could see in, in 10 years, like the growth is going to be, be insane. But then there's, there's it sounds like there's a little bit of focus. There's some focus uh, by the leadership there to make sure that the ones who were born and raised there actually get to take part. Yep. Uh, that's really big. That's that, that, That's going to be huge. Uh, we've had a couple founders, as as you know, and our viewers know from Miami on, and um, that's a nice spot to be right now if you're if you're a, a, a black Latin founder. Um, yeah, and and I I, I, I want to speak to that piece as well. You know, I, I would say specifically, you know, within black founders in Miami, um, you know, the level that has been reached is obviously incredible and awe inspiring, but it's not the highest level that can be reached, and so it really feels like it is wide open for black founders, you know, that moved to Miami um, because, you know, you've got folks who are doing it, but no one who has really just done it all the way yet. And so I think that like provides a, a, an increased opportunity for visibility. Whereas you go to the Bay area, you know, folks are like, who are you if you haven't had, you know, a figure plus exit, you know, and that is not the energy in Miami. And I'll say like, I talked about the connectivity in Tulsa. Miami is a much larger ecosystem than Tulsa, but, I will say that in a lot of ways, that connectivity that I was exposed to in Tulsa, that was just like so important for being able to make things happen quickly. I felt that in Miami and experiencing that in Tulsa made me realize how important that is to be able to unlock some of these growth hacks where it's not just us putting in the work, but we've got some folks looking out for us, you know, who can amplify what we're doing, whether it's with their voice, you know, or with capital or, you know, whatever the case may be. Got it. Got it. Got it. No, nah, that's. That's huge, man. Oh, that's really huge. You found you you finding your tribe in multiple places. Um, these, these devices we all have now should make things a little bit easier for you to find that tribe. And when you find it, like it seems like you're really be, you're, you're being real intentional, and you're all in on that. You're you're in the moment there, um, yep. and so uh, I'm, I'm I'm sure that's a sign of uh, of greater things to come. Even on top of that eight million that you're you're, you're out there raising now, got to throw that number out there again. Uh, congrats to you on that, but um, yeah, definitely appreciate you calling out Tulsa and Miami. 
Yeah, definitely. And I, and I, I, I do want to call out some of the community members in Miami just because I know they would do the same thing. Um, so just definitely want to give a, a huge shout out to AJ Yon, um, the founder of Bite Check, um, has been a great friend, great mentor, um, you know, working on a company, you know, in a similar space. Also want to give a big shout out to Ariana, the techie, um, one of the only black women building companies uh, in, you know, the Web3, you know, metaverse space. And she is doing it like at a very high level. Um, also want to give, you know, a big shout out to Ted Lucas. Um, you know, who's an entrepreneur, um, but also, you know, serving as an angel investor, you know, in the community and being able to get, you know, those checks in before, you know, the institutions, you know, get involved. Um, that stuff is super important. And that's like a lot of times for founders of color, the hardest checks to get. And so I want to, you know, definitely give, you know, Ted a big shout out. And then also want to give, you know, Janine Sua a, a big shout out as well. I feel like she's just been a great connector. She's introduced me to customers, introduced me to investors, and I know she's done that, you know, for so many other people. And so I want to call out the people in the tribe to recognize them. But also, I think even just for the viewers, right, it's some people who are going through the same journey that I'm at and we're in basically in the same phase. Some people who are adjacent and can be helpful with introductions. Some people who are adjacent who have done it and had success as an entrepreneur and now can be more partners on that capital side. And so that tribe, it's a couple different people that like all speak and touch to different things that, you know, we need and I need to grow. So, yeah, people have different strengths, man. And, and so relying on each other's strengths is, is definitely huge. When you have your tribe. I'm curious, you touched on something there around kind of having those. Uh, seems like Ted is really involved in, in putting those checks in early, getting get, giving uh, businesses, giving founders that that initial push that they need. From a capital perspective, so I'm curious, like, what what was that first investor check for you like? Like, how much was it roughly? You don't have to get into the exact numbers, but what what it, what, what was that? What was the size of that, and what did it do for you? Um, yeah, so that, the, that the very first check that we got was for twenty five thousand um, dollars, and so actually, I, I want to take a step back even before that. The very first check in the company was a check that I personally wrote. I'm not a software engineer, and so to basically like just get an initial product up to even show people to get the first checks. Like I had to make an investment myself and, you know, for everyone that doesn't have to be a capital investment, right? That can be a time investment. That can be a talent and skills investment, but like no one in their right mind is going to invest in you before you invest in yourself. Like, that's just like the way that like the world works, you know? Um, and so like, you know, I put in a $20,000 investment, you know, into basically just getting this initial, you know, product up. Our first outside investment came in for twenty five thousand um, dollars. And I want to give a huge shout out uh, to Jim Milloway. He's the founder of Zero Card. It's a, a health tech company based here out of Tulsa, Oklahoma. And so Jim, right, was had already raised his Series A. I'm talking to my first angel investors. And so, you know, I think with Jim, Jim was looking, um, you know, to invest in just individuals, right, who he believed in. Um, but also it was like, You've been two steps past where I am currently at. So we can catch up, you know, once every couple of weeks. And like the advice and feedback that you can give me is like elite level because you were just there literally a year, two years ago. Um, and so, you know, after we got that first check from Jim, um, and this is also something that I would say, do not discount people who write small checks, right? That 25K check from Jim, Jim introduced us to a 50K check. Jim introduced us to a 75K check. Jim introduced us to a 125K check, right? And so while he only wrote 25 for us, we ended up getting 
200, you know what I'm saying? Like off of that relationship. And so, um, you know, I definitely want to tell founders that, you know, look, the, young, the, the smaller check sizes sometimes, especially from other founders, those are the people who understand intimately and like they will help you because they get it, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, that really, you know, kind of was what got us off the ground. Once we were able to go raise that angel money, the fund that I was working for at Tinto Capital, they were like, at that point, like, look, you did good work for us. You know, we know what your track record, what your work ethic is like. There have been other people who we believe in who have taken a bet on you. At this point, we basically like we, we have to take the bet on you now, you know. And so um, that's the other thing that I will tell talk to founders about in the fundraising process. Leverage. Leverage matters so much because you got to think there's a million people who want to go build billion dollar companies, whether they have a problem that they're passionate about or whether they just want to go make a billion dollars. Right. And so these investors are going to be seeing a lot of companies and the companies are so early on that it's hard to differentiate sometimes when there's no traction between do I want to invest in this person or this person. But if you're able to create a situation where you've put the pressure on them a little bit. And so you can do that in two ways. Right. You know, one way is what was mentioned earlier. Right. If you say, Tell me what you want to see. And then, you know, I gave you what you wanted to see. That's one way of creating pressure. Another way of creating pressure is being like, look, here's what we're doing. Here's our timeline. Here are all the other people who are who have already committed. And so we're going to make this happen according to the timeline, whether or not you're involved, you know. And so that basically forces or compels, you know, any investor that has even a remote level of interest to then like have to dive deeper and like be fully earnest with you. So. Oh, that's dope, man. Like you giving up, you, you you giving up gems. I feel like this is a playbook, so somebody could literally just listen to this episode, write down the write down these plays, and they'll have a real John Madden level, all team, all, all pro, you know, whatever that highest level is. They'll have that right playbook for them for them to execute moving forward. Uh, so you dropping gems, I appreciate it, Chandler. Yeah, appreciate it, man. So, um, you know. And, you know, as we get get towards the end of the conversation, like how can folks um, stay in tune with the the, the boot up brand? Um, you, you've shared a lot here, but I know that there's more you can share just for folks following the following the journey of the company. So tell folks a little bit how they can stay connected um, and maybe even leverage the services if they're trying to get in the tech. Yeah, definitely. So, you know, first piece that I'll say is our website is www.joinbootup.com. And so if you don't have any tech skills, but you're just remotely interested in getting into tech, feel free to check out the website, poke around. We'll show you various training programs, the length of time that it takes, the cost, the average salary that folks are getting you know, from those programs, et cetera, to help you just be able to understand more if it's a route that you even want to go down. Um, but also, you know, for folks who do have the training, right, we've got relationships with over 80 employers. We never have under 100 job opportunities. Um, from partner employers live on the platform. And so you're looking for that first job in tech. Um, you know, we've got a number of folks who are looking to onboard people who are getting that first job in tech, you know. And so, um, you know, definitely recommend, you know, folks uh, engaging with us that way. In terms of updates um, on Instagram uh, and uh, Twitter, our at, our app profile is at join boot up. And then uh, on LinkedIn, you can just search us uh, at boot up. And then, you know, feel free to follow my personal accounts as well uh, as Chandler Malone. Um, I like to share, um, you know, kind of monthly just updates on, you know, our performance on our numbers and and statistics Um, and also try to open source, you know, some of, you know, the information that I'm putting out there, whether it be to customers or investors, just, 
to be able to get feedback, you know, and to share, you know, with others, um, you know, who are kind of like looking to learn from folks who are maybe a step, you know, further in the journey as well. Hope, hope everybody had their notes out. Uh, obviously, this is going to be on all social media, uh, you know, uh, DSPs and all that stuff. So, so you can hit the rewind button as much as you can. But definitely make sure you tap in with what Chandler's got going on. Uh, plenty, as you can see, just the story that he's sharing. Plenty, plenty going on and plenty to come. So I'm excited to hear more about that. Like you said, Chandler, we're going to make sure figure out how we can have you back on. Uh, so we can uh, see how that world domination, that eight million uh, that you're raising now, and, and uh, the countless others that are going to leverage your platform to get in the tech. See how that's going for you. Yeah, um, most definitely. So um, last time, I want to pass it to you um, as we as we close out. You know, like what is, what is that final thought you want folks to take away from this conversation? They've been listening with us. They've been tuning in, tuning in, taking notes uh vibing with the story but what's that what's that that last takeaway uh from this conversation for those um listening and what do you want them to keep top of mind yeah um so i'll say i think what i want to share is for both other founders uh but also folks who are looking to make that you know jump in like break into technology for the first time um the most difficult thing for me in this journey um has been viewing myself and viewing our business um, like in the moment and in the present, right? Because, you know, we're working so hard, things are moving so quickly, things are changing so fast that it's easy to get caught up in viewing yourself as the person, as the company, you know, as the entity that you were two months ago, instead of the one that you are today and the one that you aspire to be, you know, three months down the road. And so, you know, I think as founders, right, you know, you walk into a situation where you're like, oh, I don't have a product yet. I don't feel comfortable asking for a couple million dollars, you know, but at the end of the day, it's like, look, this is this is a different world. This is a different space. So you've been having, you know, something right that makes you compelling. Then you need to go walk into that room fully confident um, in who you are today, even if it seems like yesterday that person was not in a position to be asking for what you're asking for today. Um, and I think the same thing you know, applies for folks who are looking to break into tech. Right. You know, you might come in with very little baseline knowledge and you might leave out, you know, of whatever training program, you know, whether it's a two month program or a six month program, you're going to leave out with so much more information that you already than you had previously. But you're going to look at people with 10 years of experience and feel like, oh, man, I still don't have a year of experience. But that growth that you have had in those six months like the person that you are once you have finished that is a person who is ready to go step into a company who's ready to come in and contribute, who's ready to come in and build a high growth career for themselves. And so um, really that, that last piece that I would say is just, um, you know, encouraging people to stay in the present, even as life is changing fast, you know, even as their situation is changing fast, um, embrace that change and see yourself as that person that you're changing and growing into, um, you know, and resist, you know, that temptation to, you know, just kind of lean into, um, you know, the comfort of maybe who you were or, or what you were working on or what your organization was in the past. Bars. I'm going to just let that one marinate for folks. A lot to think about. Appreciate you coming on the platform, Chandler, and, and sharing your story. Um, and thanks for the listeners for tuning in to another great episode of Beyond Normal Podcast. Thanks for having me, Kenny. Uh -huh.